everybody. Welcome to the Smoking Guns Podcast. Show that reviews cigars while discussing a variety of issues. Uh, similar to what you're hearing in cigar lounges around the world. I'm joined with my boy Mez today. What's going on, everybody? Yeah, we're going to have some fun, man. We're going to be talking about some real grown man stuff. Oh, yeah. How yes, we indeed. got to where we are today. How we got to the men we are today and our, and our professional lives and our relationships based off our experiences that we've had. All right, now y'all don't want to miss any of this. Uh, I'm going to be smoking. Uh, I know Mayor's probably ain't smoking anything. You know, we just having a conversation. <laughs> but I'm personally, I know people, uh, the whole show, we're going to talk about some different smoke. So because we're talking about what brought us to where we are today, I'm going to be smoking the Wise Man Maduro. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it's called the Wise Man. I said, let me see what I have in the humidor. It's Maduro. I'm also sipping on some Terramana, some of that uh, rock, the Wayne Rock Johnson's uh, Terramana. Come on now. Uh, tequila. <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to have some fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sipping on a little bit of a uh, little Jim Bean. You know? Okay, let's. Okay. Got yeah. a little Jim Bean over there? Got a little Jim Bean in the cup tonight, so. Oh my goodness! Got excited about this podcast, so. Oh wow! With it. Wow! Let me tell you a little bit about this wise man. Why I chose this, of course, because we're talking about some manhood stuff. What brought us to the men we are today? So why not the wise man Maduro? Uh, the wise man Maduro is a rich blend of specially selected Nicaraguan fillers and a carefully sourced aged San Andreas capper. The blend encompasses bold flavors of black pepper, dark roast espresso, and cacao. It is medium plus in body and strength, rounded out with a nutty finish. And it, so, so the, the the development of it, Wiseman Maduro is an offshoot of the original L Y. Let me make sure I get this name right. L Y Y C, which loosely translates to the Wise Man, and is named for a folkloric dance in Nicaragua. This Maduro has all the qualities of a standout cigar, assertive without being aggressive, full-bodied without being too strong and interesting uh, from first puff to last. It's a flavorful blend that oscillates between the sweet and the savory. It has mm-hmm. cocoa and vanilla notes to play off tobacco's meaty, beefy stock qualities, all integrated by an ever-present earthiness. And it's got a 95 rating from Cigar Aficionado, so I'll see you I can't wait to light this up. So I'm going to light this up, man. Like, uh, go on. I'm going to talk enough while I cut and light this cigar. <laughs> hey, I'm wondering, um, you know, once you get it, you know, the cigar lit up, you know, what does it taste like? You know, what does it smoke like? You know, what is that feeling like when you're smoking on that uh, that good cigar there? You know? All right. So for me, I'm going to tell you what this one, I'm toasting it right now. So I start off with a toast of the cigar. So usually when you're using a torch lighter, you take it all the way out where you don't even see the flame anymore, but you'll see that it's lighting on your cigar. That's toasting that foot of that cigar. Uh, I'm using a straight cut, actually, even though it's a, uh, it's more of a torpedo at the end. I'm using a straight cut, kind of opening it up. Originally, it's got a great draw on it, but... Uh, my original flavoring 
Uh, when I get it, I always like to look at some of those flavor notes to see if I taste any of that. It makes me kind of get my mind thinking about it, which makes me kind of get some of that taste on it. But I can get the peppery spice uh, right off the top. Uh-huh. And so, um, wow. But And, and, and then it, so it, it does have a complex flavor. you got some peppery spice in there. You can taste kind of some of those woody and nutty notes in there, uh, nutty notes in there. Uh, but it's a it, it's a great uh, cigar. Uh, like I said, I'm taking it with this uh, tequila today. And so if I think of something when it's spicy like that, uh, tequila, which, you know, you get those uh, those spices as well. You know, normally when you're eating some Mexican food, so you eat that, <laughs> drink a tequila, so why not? But it pairs well together. Um, it's a very flavorful cigar. So normally if I get something like this much flavor in it, I don't want to overpower it with a drink. Um that that may not have you know that, that may be overpowering in flavor as well, right? So, right. A great combination. Is I like the cigar really well, um, but yeah, man, it's got a a nice draw on there. But uh, for somebody like yourself, not new to smoking cigars, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't advise something maybe of this flavor palette. It's not too strong. It's not too peppery. So that's why you got it more medium to full. Our uh, body is very smooth. Um, but some of the stuff can be too strong, right? It can be very right. So let me ask you this question here. Like for somebody like me, you know, that's really not a smoker, um, never really smoked, but want to get into, you know, puffing on a few cigars, you know, so I can hang out with guys like you. You know, <laughs> what would be that, you know, that introduction to a cigar, you know, for like a guy like me? Uh, a lot of people... Depends on what you like. If you're a person, I know you had. I know you smoked uh, uh, hookah before. Oh yeah, most definitely. So if you like the flavors of a hookah. A lot of people start off. I did as well with more of your flavored cigars, uh, because it's just like it's similar to the hookah uh, flavoring. So and then you got also similar to when people smoke Swisher uh, um, sweets or what have you, and stuff like that. So it's more palatable in the beginning to smoke more flavored cigars as you increase your cigar palate you'll find yourself moving away from those flavored cigars and they're just, they got too much sweetness to you and then you'll start gravitating towards something else, right? Um, so, I, you know, if you're going to start off in the beginning, I would pick a flavored cigar, uh, you know, kind of a flavor that you enjoy, a vanilla flavor, a chocolate flavored cigar, mm-hmm. a coffee flavored cigar if you like coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of those are pretty good in the beginning. Most of your vanilla or coffee flavor still got good tobacco, so you're still getting the toba- some of the tobacco but that, that extra flavoring will be coming inside uh, underneath of it. Mm-hmm. Um, those aren't bad to start with. And then if you do find yourself, hey, well, I'm actually wanting to kind of, I, I like my food, uh, various sides, various stuff. Like I like my steaks, my chicken, my, you know, everything, right? And so your cigars are like that too. So I would say uh, get you a medium type smoke a little bit later. I wouldn't start off with a, a non, go to a flavor like that type of flavor and then go to a, a non-flavored Connecticut, but I probably would go to a more of a medium smoke. Um, you'll, you'll see more of your Habano wrappers, some of your more your darker wrappers, but not completely dark. Right. It's something that says that it's still, even some of your real dark wrappers, they're, they're pretty medium in flavor, and uh, your Spool Maduro wrappers are not really spicy, so you have to really understand what's not a spicy cigar, do your research on the cigars that you're looking at, um, if you something that's not spicy, mm-hmm. uh, like a Camacho Triple Black, it's a bunch of Maduros, 
but it's sweet. It's more, it's more, it's more, it's more sweet. It's more palatable uh, because it's just sweet tobacco in there. Uh, not flavored, not infused, or anything like that. It's just, it's just a sweeter tobacco, uh, and it's really, really, really milder, a little more mellow, uh, medium smooth uh, flavor. Right. So let me ask you one more question about uh, a cigar here before we move on. Or do you really inhale this when you're smoking a cigar? Do you inhale it, or you you just puffing it to get that taste? Um, you know. When you're smoking a cigar, are you actually yeah. inhaling it? Heck no. Uh, you're you're gonna be you're gonna be just you're gonna be puffing it, uh, just taking the smoke into your mouth. You don't want to inhale it. You'll know if you inhale it by accident. Gotcha. Uh, it'll make you choke. It'll make you feel like you're about to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horrible feeling to inhale a cigar. Uh, <laughs> but you will. Uh, uh, you do want to take it in the mouth as you. Uh, what I do is I, uh, when I really want to taste the cigar, I blow out, you know, take it in the mouth, blow it out my mouth. When I get down to the last little bit of smoke left, I then blow it out my nose. I can't take blowing too much out my nose. It's really, some of it really peppery blowing out that way. Uh, but your nostrils, just like if you're smelling something um, and then you taste it or something like that, it can, or if there's something messing with you, like let's say you're sick and you're, you can't smell too well. Uh, your, your nose stopped up. You can't taste your food either. Like, well, why, does, why can't I taste my food that well? My nose is stopped up. They work together. So when you do that and you're blowing that smoke out, it actually allows you to taste the cigar a lot more. Gotcha. So, okay. that's, how, that's how I do. Most definitely. I'm, I think I'm going to start. You know, you know, I hear you talk about them all the time. So oh, I think man. I'm going I'm to hop on that bandwagon when it comes yeah, to it's a it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a habit, of course, just like anything else. But it's, uh, it's more of a lifestyle, right? So you know, you know, a lot of people when they're smoking, you see the stuff like Steve Harvey talking about man just sitting back smoking his cigars. Uh, you see when you you see a lot of entertainers that you know Michael Jordan talking about the cigars he's smoking, how he just sit back and relax and smoking his cigars. Um, you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Everybody's talking about smoking their cigars. Uh, one of the things about it, man, is it just relaxes you, right? It's one of those things that it, it forces you to, to slow down. And most of the cigars take about an hour to smoke, hour and a half, two hours. Some of it slows you down. I mean, you're not constantly puffing on it. You're puffing it. You're tasting it. You're putting it down. Maybe take a sip of something. Come back. Take another couple puffs. You know, it's it's it really slows you down, and and, and it invites great conversation like today. Okay, no doubt. Definitely, man. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna hop on your bandwagon. I'm gonna try these cigars out, man. Definitely. Oh, man. You know, I've never I, been a smoker, um, but you know, I'm at that age now, almost forty. So you know, yeah, even if you're doing it every once in a while, if you go, you know, you might got some people that you work with that go to cigar lounges, or you know, they, 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 you'll see this. This is a different lifestyle. Going in the cigar lounges might kind of get you a good lounge, or get you a uh, a different feel. For the cigar community as a whole, uh, a lot of people are just a just a feel of it. it's not that clubby scene. I mean, you do have cigar bars, cigar type clubby scenes, but you go to a regular cigar lounge, it's just people in there having a great conversation, smoking on their cigars. Uh, it's it's a it's a good feeling. I was at a cigar lounge earlier today. Mm-hmm. Just a few people in there, we just having a great conversation. Just good vibes, positive energy. Yeah. Huh? Oh yeah. Okay. Most definitely. Most definitely. So, 
you know, we're talking about this wise man. We're moving on up. This this is a great cigar. Uh, what made you? We're going to talk about the professional side, the business side, what, that type of development. Okay. So let's talk about your, uh, we're going to talk about the early phase. We'll start there. We'll both go back and forth a little early phase and then try to kind of move on in life, which brought us to our, our professional development. So what early on did you see uh, that wanted to make you more of a professional or they're just uh, more respectable as a man? Because that kind of that professionalism is a level of respect to me. Right. And so uh, uh, what made you want to move in that route? Or did you always move in that route? Was there some bad times? We'll talk about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, I tell you what, man. It was more bad times than good, you know. I will tell you, um, born and raised in a little small town in Augusta, Georgia, man, uh, my single parent, you know, my mother, she raised four kids. Um, but I've seen it all, you know, and what really separated me, you know, from, you know, most of my friends or, you know, relatives back home, man, it was just that there was a lot of trouble. I mean, we stayed in the projects um, and I've seen, you know, friends that I hung out with every single day, every single day, um, watch them go to jail. I watched them get shot. Um, it was just, it was crazy. You know what I mean? And I've always told myself, you know, growing up as a kid, cause you know, sports was my thing, football, basketball, um, uh, playing, you know, sports coming up. And I always told myself that, hey, I'm going to get out of this town. I'm going to separate myself from everybody else, man. And I maintained that, you know, had the opportunity, was a quarterback in high school, um, had that opportunity to, you know, get a scholarship, play football, um, and got myself out of that town. But I will tell you, I've seen – a lot of uh, a lot of bad things, you know, Moscow growing up, you know, as a youngin, you know. Wow. And that's that made me who I am today. Um got a great career, uh great job, um make over six figures. Never thought in my life I would ever make, you know, six figures. Yeah, that's a good thing. So Money's always good. Oh, yeah. Money's always good, man. But it's just a blessing for me to make it out um, of that town that I came from, you know? Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a small, well, I'm a small town guy. Just, we don't, in my little, I'm so country. I'm real country with it. So it's not just the southern. I'm from Tappahannock, Virginia. So I'm real, real country with that. But, you know, for us, it, it was, uh, for, well, for me in, in general, I was uh, watching my parents kind of working hard. It was a, a, a hard working parents that I had, right? There was always, my father had to work like two hours away just to find good work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, and, and so I saw the, and then when he got home, he had to take care of the stuff at the house, right? The man stuff at the house. He had to make sure the, the trash was taken out. We ain't had no trash trucks coming through in the country. We had to go take <laughs> our trash to the big dump stuff, you know, big com- you know, community dump site somewhere. Oh yeah. And so, and so you know, we we I saw him come in to take care of those things, cut, make sure the grass was cutting. We had a, I'm country enough. We living on a farmhouse. I'm talking about a two acre yard. So 
I had to do my part. My mom was doing her part. My daddy doing uh, his part with most of the hard work. But when, it, when, when if I failed because I was trying to be young and out there and have and playing with friends, he would take care of the majority of everything with that. Right. Uh, chopping wood, all of that stuff. So I grew up doing all of that and never uh, wavered from helping uh, people, man. So he, you know, he was a great example. Uh, my mother was. My mother went to school when I, you know, after I was born and finished out with her degree. Got a more the professional side. My father was a construction worker, so uh, they, you know, did what they had to do to make things happen for me so that I can uh, live a better life. Right. Well, I'm like you, man. I grew up playing sports. Uh, you know, living on that two acre yard. People used to, you know, get together. Friends used to get together just to play football all the time, basketball, dirt. You're talking about the dirt court basketball. Oh, yeah. When we yeah. Used to, I remember back in the day, man, um, we used to get a bicycle rim, and we used to nail the bicycle rim to the light pole and play yep. basketball in the dirt, you know? Get you some plywood to put up as a backboard. Correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did that at some friend's house. Man. We got some nails, hammer. You know, we did that at different friends' house. My parents said they went and got me a basketball goal, and then you got to beat the grass down in the new basketball goal area. And it's not – you're going to have some lumps on the court. It's going to have some divots on the court. Oh, it ain't yeah. always be a flat court. You're going to want to put it in the most flattest area, but it ain't always going to be a flat court. So you got to know – your court, you know, know the different spots and, and all that other stuff uh, when you're playing on that dirt court. <laughs> I never you go to dribble it. the ball and go the other direction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but then I played, I was like you, I had a football scholarship. That's what got me out to town. But one thing I did notice in town was that a lot of people um, in my little country area, they, I noticed people that stayed there. Now I started noticing this when I was in school. I said, man, I'm looking at people that didn't, they worked so hard going to work their construction and driving and not having any real uh, personal time because they spent most time on the road to go to work and then working a hard job. And a lot of people looking beat down in life. I looked at people that had graduated five years before me and they were, and, and they were so beat down. I was like, man, these people look 10 years older than that. Right, right. Right, and I did not want, my goal was was to get out of that, I didn't not want to live there anymore, I wanted to get out of that town, um, so I said, you know, football was my way, I was a big dude, to my 6'5", 300, I had uh, scholarship offers at, at different places, and I, I went on and took my football scholarship, uh, but I made mistakes, I made mistakes, uh, messed that up, I didn't go to classes, uh, I still need my mama to hold my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I, was one of, I was one of them guys, and I was just—I was just there in college, right? They had the football. Um, we had an academic coach, basically, and he pulled me uh, aside one day and said, "Hey, um, did you know where your classes are?" I said, well, I, I, "Yes, yes, sir." He said, "It doesn't seem like it, right? You're not—you <laughs> hadn't been there. Right. You're not turning any assignments in. I, I got myself on academic probation. Uh, that was tough for me to be on academic probation." And I got to the point where I realized I just wanted to play football. I didn't want to be in college, and I wasn't mature enough for college. Uh-huh. And from there, I had to make a decision, and I, that's when I decided to join the Army uh, and, and leave college and join the Army and figure out those next steps, at least get paid in that process. I mean, a lot of lies were told to me by the recruiter. They told me I could play football <laughs> in the Army, right? I was like, this is how any of that works. <laughs> so... But I still was able to, I went into the Army and just changed, uh, it, it allowed me to, to grow a little bit and change my perspective, right? It, 
and, and gave me a, a platform that still had it almost like my mama, where they were telling me a little bit what to do, making me wake up in the morning, uh, holding, my, my, holding, my, holding me accountable, because I was unable to hold myself accountable. And then when I was old enough and more mature enough to hold myself accountable, I was able to make more rank and, and make more money and, and then develop into who I am now and, and, and how I got to the position. I love making six figures. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Uh, getting to this point now, because now I, I can hold accountability for myself. I've been through some things. So, yeah, so absolutely. let me ask you this. You know, um, you hear a lot of people saying, you know, go to school. You need to go to school um, or you need to join the military and so forth. Um but when you joined the military, did that give you an opportunity to figure out life? It, it, it gave me an Look, school gave me an opportunity. Uh-huh. The military gave me an opportunity. I took more advantage personally of the military opportunity. I did not take advantage of the school opportunity. Right. You know, you'll learn life through, no matter what. Life's coming, right? And so it depends on whether, uh, to me, People can go straight out and go get a job, right? You, you know, I, I learned a lot through the process, right, and through life. Uh, but you can get right out, and go get a job somewhere, and it's gonna teach you something, right? It's gonna you're gonna figure out the next steps and the next steps, and then hopefully be able to teach your kids, right, the, the mistakes that you made so that they can make the right decisions. Um, but you know, that's you know, I think the military was a, a stepping stone for me. I just did not want to go back to Tappahannock, right? So I had to do something. I messed up college. I could have just, hey, let me buckle down, let me do this, but I knew I just didn't have it in me, right? right. I, I could have, I should have said, you know, I'm going to school, I'm going to go to classes now, I'm going to get it done. Some people turn it on like that, right? I, I just didn't have that in me. And mm-hmm. so I joined the military because I just needed somebody to, to, to help point me in the right direction when I keep when I, when I keep veering off that direction, right? Veering off the path. All right. And I will tell you, man, I want to say it was my freshman year in college, right? And every opportunity we had, you know, to go back home, go back to Georgia, we did. You know, every weekend there wasn't a football game or we were in the off season, we went home, right? And I will tell you, it got to a point, man, to where I got homesick. I wanted to go back home. I wanted to be around family. I wanted to be in that town where I was well known, right? And I'll never forget it, you know, because um, it was my roommate and myself. Uh, You know, we lived in an apartment up in Newport News. And we didn't go to school, I would say, at least for about a week, week and a half. Missed classes, just didn't care because we both made up our minds and decided that we're going back home. We're going back to Georgia. And I'll never forget it. My head coach, um, my uh, position coach, um, took us out to dinner. We ate. Um, then we went back to the gym. And we sat down and we had a heart-to-heart. A heart-to-heart. And they really broke it down as far as, you know, what it's going to take, you know, to be successful. What it's going to take to grow up and become a man. And then right then and there, that light clicked on, uh, that light switch clicked on, and I realized that, hey, if I go back down to Georgia, what am I going to do? 
what is going to be my career? I mean, how am I going to make money um, besides trying to sell drugs with the other guys or, or, you know, steal, whatever the case may be. But they really broke down how to become a man, a successful man. Um, and it just clicked. And I really thank my coaches uh, for that because I wouldn't be where I am today. And then after that conversation, I never forget it. Um, I had that ambition um, to just be the best, to be the best at everything I do, to go hard at everything I do, whether it's school, whether it's on the football field, whether it's learning, because, you know, we were getting paid, we was learning to trade, earning the uh, degree all at the same time uh, when we were in college. And I tell you, I told myself, um, because like you and I, you didn't see too many people that looked like us, you know, that was in upper management. Nah, you know nah, what nah, I mean? Really. So I, I told myself, I'm going to be the first African-American you know, to be in that position, right? To be a manager two. I'm going to be that first one to, to do a uh, manager three, uh, to run this whole entire electrical program on these carriers and ships. I told myself that. Um, so I kept driving to be the best. And man, I mean, now um, um, I'm a manager two there at the uh, yard. Um, have I want to say like 105 uh, hourly employees that work for me? I have wow. like seven uh, salary em uh, employees that work for me. Um, I have my own planner that works for. I mean, it's just a blessing to see that a guy that came from the streets uh, was in the streets um, to being a successful african-american brother uh today man so it, it was just if it wasn't for my coaches that sat me down and had that heart to heart i wouldn't be here today so wow yeah I, man you know um well we have we have so much similarities on, on a lot of levels i like you um <laughs> but for me right you know, first thing that I wasn't uh, excelling at, like when I was in school, it was one of the things, like when I was in high school, it was okay to be popular. Uh, you know, I was messing around in classes, but I was one of those guys that can like get 100 on a test just by showing up to class. Mm -hmm. But I didn't apply myself to homework, right? So then I was, the same thing happened when I went to college, right? But I didn't go to class. So it was like too much, right? But I got to a point um, for me, I, I, the, the initial mentorship, I didn't find in that regard, right? Um, the only thing I didn't, I, I never really excelled at in the beginning was school just because I chose not to, right? Uh, football, I always excelled. Even as a, a freshman, uh, I excelled. I mean, I got to a point where I knew I was a second string. I beat out a few other uh, sophomore and juniors that was there. Uh, but I was going to be redshirted until I got Prop 48. So I knew, they knew I was going to be redshirted because they wanted to get more years out of me. Uh, but going to a Division One program for my little small country town was a, a lot. You know, graduating with the biggest scholarship offer than anyone else at the graduation was a lot. Nobody else had those type, that type of scholarship numbers. I was like, great, that was crazy for me. Um, and then I made, I sat back one day when I was in college because uh, I was talking to the recruiter. My a buddy of mine had already decided that he was going to join the Army because he was messing up in school. 
And he said, man, you might want to think about this. And I was like, I'm not joining that army. That ain't for me. You know, but I think you know, I had a, I had an aunt. She was in the army. So I said, I talked to her a little bit. She just told me basically it's not for everybody, but I got to make a decision. And then if I'm going to make that decision, it's a whole different world. And she kind of explained, broke it down to me. I was like, I don't know about this. I sat back one night. I went out on my own, found a little dark spot and sat down on, on campus and I really thought about what the heck am I going to do? I'm not going back to Tappahannock. So then what? And so I had no answers. So I said, you know what? The only, the only thing I got is this <laughs> army thing, man. But here I am, 300 pounds. And so I tell other people now that I'm thinking about going to the army. And people told me that, hey, you're not going to make it. Uh, they, you know, they're gonna, they're, you're not ready for basic. You're not going to make it. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a pure athlete. What are you talking about? I went to the Army and, uh, to me, dominated from the beginning, right? I had, uh, I was in basic, uh, quickly made the class leader. Uh, the, uh, I always excelled since that point in my life, right? I always remember people telling me what I couldn't do. Uh, mm-hmm. And that let me know that I can. Okay, I don't need you. I don't need your opinion. I don't need your approval on what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to make my decision and do it. So when I joined the Army, I excelled in the Army. I found myself, my, my goal when I first started doing PT was to be faster than the skinny people, right? And I remember I remember Pat finishing my run on the PT test, and skinny people were behind me. And I was like, man, I'm 300 pounds doing this. Of course, lost a lot of weight in basic, nearly about 50 pounds in basic. I ended basic with about, at about 260 pounds. Oh, wow. 50, I was like 250, something, 255, 260. I lost all that in the two-month span. Come on now. They ran the mess out of me, worked the mess out of me. It was hot <laughs> down in South Carolina, and they wouldn't let me eat much. <laughs> you know, they, had a, they put me on a diet. I lost a lot of weight. I looked like I had a big head in the pictures, you know, and I lost a lot of muscle mass that I had from, from college. But I, I, I excelled uh, in, in there, right? I excelled in being in the Army. I didn't, I didn't let being out there, people yelling at me. I didn't let all that face me. I was, I was used to it with the coaches. Uh, when I came in the regular Army, I... I excelled, right? I found, I, I got mentors then that told me the best way to do it because they did it wrong. A lot of black mentors that moved up or some that have excelled and they would tell me what I need to do. I did that. I found myself to a point where I made, uh, I remember being a PSC. I had a, two sergeants that was above me, two E5s. I was, a, I was an E3. Uh, I eventually, we all pretty much, no matter what, I went to Korea, back to Fort Drum, New York. Uh, they moved, moved from different spots back to Fort Drum, New York. When we, we were all E5s together, when it's time for promotion, I made E6 before, and they were still E5. So I made I, I had skipped above them. They were my supervisors. My, they were my seniors to me being their supervisor. Right. And that broke, I saw the breakup in their heart, but I knew that I was, I was excelling. I was, I was moving ahead of my, my peers, and then even those that were my superiors, I moved ahead of them. And, and then when I got out from the Army, when I got into law enforcement, I excelled quickly in law enforcement, moved up to a, a, a supervisor role fast in the, you know, in the federal government, and, um, and, and, and now one of the uh, top uh, police officers uh, at, you know, on, on Fort Eustace, which is an Army, an Army base, ran by the Air Force base or whatever, uh, joint basin. But I'm, I'm, I'm one of the top officers there. Awesome. I only really I only got the chief and, and, and a captain that's really above me. And I'm like, I'm number three there, so... It's uh, it, it was important for me to excel 
That's a blessing there, man. That's a blessing there. All right. And when I was able to go back to school after the Army, now that I had more discipline and stuff like that, I excelled to get my my bachelor's and then my master's because uh, I knew now I was able to focus. I was able to to do what I need to do while working full time and and everything, man, taking care of my responsibilities and all that. Oh, yeah. And I'll never forget, man, when I had that conversation with my coach, the question was, what do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for, right? He asked me that question, I want to say at least 10 times. And I was getting ready to answer him. And he's, nope, nope, nope. I don't need to know right now. Don't tell me now. What do you want to be known for? I was getting ready to tell him again. Don't tell me now. Tell me when you make it. Tell me when you make it there. Tell me when you have seeded your goal that you set for yourself. But what do you want to be known for? And now I'll ask any young guy that today. What do you want to be known for? Wow. Think about it. That's good. That's good. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember the exact. Let me think about the exact type of question. At least the line about. My mentor, when I, the mentor I had basically challenged me, right? They, they challenged me. But I found myself finding multiple mentors, right? I, I learned from bad leadership as much as I learned from good leadership. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things where I, you know, mentor, not really asking a question, but then telling me was, hey, pick up, learn from every situation. They said the best, you know what I'm saying? And then the goal is not, you know, you want your, your, your subordinates to want to work for you, respect you along the way. Right. So if you find any leader that you don't respect, that's the person you want to make sure that you learn enough from them that you don't that you don't duplicate them. Right? Duplicate greatness and make sure that you don't duplicate the garbage. <laughs> you're going to be better uh, served for that, right? And you want to create the leader that you that that you want for yourself. So be a leader. And then it, it made me think back. Oh, I'm 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 old. You know, religious part. You know, treat others the way you want to be treated. Yep. That's to me. That's the ultimate way of respect, right? I do that when I'm doing law enforcement, right? I do that when I'm uh, uh, when I'm out in the world, right? When I'm dealing with my subordinates, it's I treat them the way I want to be treated. If right. I mess up, I ha- I do expect to be punished, right? I do expect that. I don't expect you to come at me if I didn't mess up. But if I messed up a little bit, if I had a mistake of the mind, not a mistake of the heart, I don't want you to come at me crazy because I made a mistake of the mind. I didn't know any better. Then you have to teach me and train me. My right. family because they take that mistake of the mind and treat it like you were the, you're the worst person in the world. I'm not the worst person. I just didn't know any better. Right. All right. Teach me. You know, train me in the way. And that's one of those um, when I'm conducting interviews, uh, hiring you know different uh, supervisors. Um, that's one of the questions I ask. You know, what are some of those characteristics? It can be good or bad that you've learned from previous bosses. And I want to hear them, you know, and then I always break it down to them, you know, some of the stuff that, you know, some of the bad stuff that you've learned from your previous bosses. I mean, they can help you because you won't make those same mistakes. You know what I mean? Right. I ask a question similar. I ask people about, uh, I ask people, uh, uh, you know, to tell me uh, a time when they made an unpopular decision. 
and kind of what was the outcome of this. A lot of people, and that stumps people. They're like, oh, none popular. I mean, you want to spend the whole interview telling me all the great stuff about yourself. Right. And I'm asking right. you to tell me about your, an unpopular decision you made. Because the truth is, you're not perfect, right? You're going to make bad decisions. You're going to do stuff the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Kind of what was the outcome? What was your reason for that, that thought process? Why was that unpopular? Right? Why didn't that, why, why wasn't that a, a good thing? Uh, all in all, and then kind of what did you learn from that? Because what I want to hear is the learning part, right? What did you learn from that mistake, and how did you change yourself? Like, what did you do? So let me ask about leadership traits that they feel like they haven't developed, or what are some of their uh, uh, what what are some of their downfalls, and what are some some of the things they they just feel like they need to be better at, and then what have they done to get better at it? Whether they read some books, did some training, did uh, whatever. What did you do to become better? And some of your, your weak points or your stuck right. points in life. Okay. Man, this is good. I can go on and on about this. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I, I, mean. think, I think one day, um, that's this is what I want to do. Like, I want to be able to tell my story to young men, you know, that's coming up, that's, you know, that we could see that was in our position you know, back in the day or, or that was in our position now, you know, that maybe we can mentor these young men. Maybe we can help these young men, you know, don't make the same mistakes we made in the past. You know, that's my vision. That's my end goal to hopefully one day being able to just go around, speak to young men um, on my story and just hope one day that it will help them, you know, in life. One of the things I found going around to, to, to young people, man, talking with them, uh, some don't want uh, any information, right? They're not listening. They don't want to gather. Uh, yeah, I find it with my own son at times, right? I'm giving him information. And then I find that he can regurgitate some of my information after a while because I'm, I'm a broken record, right? I'm that much of a broken record that eventually it'll stick. I want him to, to have something that comes on in life that maybe something I said later on, he'll be like, you know what? That crazy old man said this back in the day. <laughs> he said it about 152 times. Uh, I, I, you know, maybe let me call him now to get some clarity that I wasn't really listening to before. And so, I, you know, for me, when people, some people are talking to me, it depends on whether I was ready to hear them. But there were others that just because of who they were, I wanted to hear. I wanted to to, to just be a sponge for everything that you said. Right. And, and so I realized because I was like that, I know a lot of these kids, I don't want to, I didn't want to force. I tried to force mentorship on kids. Like, oh, I'm going to be a great mentor. They don't know who they about to get mentored by. But right. don't, they didn't even care who they got mentored by. They wasn't ready for it. Right. Uh, so uh, they absolutely need to be ready for it at the time. Uh, oh, and yeah. If somebody's really ready for it, uh, they're going to they're gonna take that in like a sponge and hopefully squeeze out greatness, right? But when are you ready? I might just be, I mean, you, you you can't, to me personally, like a young teenager saying that, you know, I ain't ready. I don't want to listen to that now. So you're going to sit up there and you're going to make the mistakes. Yes. Some of them, some of them actually believe that, right? My wife does counseling and she says a lot of people that, uh, you know, as much as she tries to tell them, uh, she's had you know, more, probably more downfalls than she has successes because it depends on at what point that the kid want to take this information. But she's had some great successes too. That you know these these they're they're more adults now. And they call they they contact her like man. If 
I'm so glad that I had you in my life. Right, right. But there's others that she could not help, right? They just wasn't ready for it. It wasn't their time. It may come later, right? You just don't know when people are ready for it. But that most people have to get to a, uh, a point, I think. You got to get to a point where you're ready for a change. Oh, yeah. You're looking for where that change gets, you know, how can I get that change? You know, you know, we talk about who's, uh, who's the, who's mentoring these young people today. Like we got these people in the street and they're mentored by almost no male figures, right? They got no male figures. Uh, the only thing they want to, they're looking at is, uh, uh, the, what the entertainers talking about how they're with the lifestyle they used to have, uh, or lying about the lifestyle they used to have. Uh, they're selling, you know, that's when you talk about people selling drugs. They think they're going to have this fast lifestyle that, Everybody thinks they're going to be the drug kingpin of the world uh, and don't realize that how many people die from that on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. They go to jail from that and go to prison for that on a regular basis. And so, you know, that's where most of them are going to end up, even in a, a prison cell or the graveyard. Mm. And, they haven't, they, you know, and, and they haven't got to that low point yet that they're like, okay, I need another path. Right. Or hadn't got to that part mentally where they're ready to say, I need to, I need to do something different. And that's that's the same thing with my son, um, 20 years old. Um, you know, I do my best to try to lead him and guide him, you know, in that right path, you know. But sometimes I do see that resistant, you know, that he wants to figure it out on his own or he wants to, you know, make those mistakes on his own. But I guess... For me and you, you know, both of us have, you know, sons in their early 20s. I guess the question is, when, I mean, how could we get these guys to listen to us and don't wait till you're 30, 35 years old? My son, uh, I'm I'm on the same boat, right? You got a lot of kids that think like my son, but my son, in my opinion, Yes, uh, he talks about he wants to figure it out on his own. Uh, he wants to live his life. But you want to live your life while I'm paying for it, right? You, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's his mindset, right? And, right. I, and, and a lot of people coddle him. I think his mother coddles him. Uh, a lot of people, like, he needs money. I'm like, okay, go tell him, go get a job, right? You know, and, and when you get on the job, do what he's supposed to do on the job. If you don't do what you're supposed to do on their job, they're going to fire you like, like he's got fired for plenty of jobs or he just didn't, he didn't want to show up to plenty of jobs. I mean, he came here to live. I was like, I'm, I'm forcing you got to work. I thought I was going to take the summer off. What summer off? You, you know, man, you got to get out. You got to get out. You got to get about your business. You know, ain't, ain't no man going to be in my house not working. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a working man in my house. You know, and, and people was upset at me. Bro, I tried to make him, uh, I tried to make him, uh, uh, I wanted him to pay uh, a, a portion of rent. People got mad at me. And nobody knew what I was doing with the money. I was taking the money. I didn't need his money. I was saving his money. I want him to pay $100 a week. I said, you better find some work to pay this $100 a week. <laughs> he's paying $100 a week. When he left here, I gave him back his money. Right? But I had a lot of people upset with me. I can't believe he's charging them rent. He's making them pay for his own food. I got to teach him responsibilities. Absolutely. He's going to be an adult. Nobody's going to keep giving him handouts, but they keep giving him handouts, keep finding these girls that let them live up there and not paying a dime and not doing nothing. I think because he laid them some pipe and he can just sit back and, and chill at the house while they go to work. I don't understand some of these people out here allowing this for him. Um, and so I, I do wish he had a little 
uh, more of what I had in me. I did not want to go. My, now my mother, when I was in college, she told me, you know, if I'm at, when I was messing up and I said, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, she said, you can come back home. I was like, heck, no, I'm not going back to Tappahannock. <laughs> not going back to Tappahannock, huh? But she would have coddled me as well in that process, right? She would have, she, you know, like she tells me, she might, she'll, she'll tell me, I never did you that way. I said, that's your fault, you know? <laughs> that's, that's your fault. I would have let you come back home. I didn't do it, though, did I? Right. I wouldn't join the Army. I had to figure it out myself. But because I had to figure it out myself, I didn't want anybody to, uh, to, 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 have, to uh, pretty much put me up and, and I didn't want anybody else to, to have to pay for me anymore. I messed this up. I messed up my scholarship. I need to figure this out myself, which means I had to make my own money. And the quickest way I found to do that was when I was joining the Army. Right? That was the quickest way I found to do that and not be dependent upon anyone else. I wanted to be dependent upon myself. You know, mm. I'm going to win or lose myself. Right, and so I got to figure this thing out. At least they're gonna put money in my pocket while I figure it out. And so that's why I joined. You know, that's when I joined the army. And I said, you know what, I'm gonna make the most of this right now. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have fun, right? I find myself, yeah, I'm gonna have fun doing this. It's like football camp. They're gonna make you do some hard stuff. You find your way to have fun. You gotta right. do more uh, basketball. You gotta do more suicides. Let's have fun doing the suicides. Now we're gonna be hurting. <laughs> we're gonna be breathing. We're gonna be sweating. During they're gonna pass out. But let's try to have as much fun as possible doing this and hype each other up in the process. That's the same attitude I took into the Army. It's the same attitude I take now in life. Right? I don't want to make as much. Uh, I want to enjoy everything I do, even if it sucks. Right? You know, even if it sucks. Hell, I had to be over in deployment in Iraq sh- uh, uh, stirring shit. You know, while, uh, you know we, got, we had burn pits. And I had to go stir burn pit and stir shit of not just mine, everybody else. I thought now I had enough rank, I could have just had my soldiers do it and not do it, but I was like, hey, I'm gonna leave from the front. You're doing it, I'm doing it with you. But that's the thing. Right. <laughs> so but still, I wanted you wanted to I told you to do it. Guess what? I'm gonna do it with you. You're not gonna say that Sergeant Gardner wasn't there for you. He wasn't there with you. He wasn't in the fight with you. He wasn't in the struggle with you. He was just standing on the high on, on, on his high horse. So where's that strive now, man, with our young men today? Where's that strive to that they're going to become something? You know what I mean? Well, well, I, what I see a lot, I know I hear, I hear from different kids. I heard it from my son. Uh, a lot of them have this belief system because you do got people that's making, some, that's making money in, in ways that was never around when we started, right? right. You know, we, we, I'm, we, we're both in our 40s. So it wasn't around when we were coming up, right? It wasn't on YouTube. It wasn't podcasts. It wasn't different ways of people to make money, right? And there's so many ways people can make money now, but what they don't realize and what a lot of people don't show, like they feel like, my son felt like if he could just start you know, entertaining them and, and, and do some uh, music, that he was just going to instantaneously pop. And I asked him, how many, so, how many people make it in the music industry? He told me probably about 50% of the people. Wow, we have a we have to get this. We have to get some reality in here. <laughs> <laughs> it might be three percent, right? It's not maybe one percent. I don't know. I say I know a lot of of uh, skilled artists, and sometimes I don't know who these people are that's making it. What type of real skills they have that make it? Because I know some people that can rap. I know some people that can put out some good music and can't get a and can't get a break to save their life. <laughs> and I see some people that's garbage get breaks. So I don't have a clue what it takes in the industry. But I know it takes a lot of hard work. Right. And a lot of these people don't show the work that they put in to get to that point. And then some of them, it just, it just happens, right? You know, some, some of it just happens. Some people just took to what they said, took to what they were doing, 
and and and, and they got they gathered followers. But a lot of people feel like, well, I want to be, you know, you got kids that say, I want to be a YouTube sensation. I mean, you could just do YouTube, right? You still got to go and do something else in the process, right? Think of something else, but do this along the side. I just want to be a podcaster. I feel you. Do a do your podcast, but you still got to, you know, you could do your podcast over this time, but you still got to work. You still got to make money. You still got to earn, earn your keep until that pops, right? right? And, and keep going for it, right? Keep striving. But then this microwave society where they feel like everything's supposed to be given to them, everything's supposed to be handed to them, everything is right now. Um, they're gonna make it right now. They're gonna, you know, it's gonna be that easy. Mm. So right now, what advice? You have one advice you can give to our young men today. What would be that one thing that you would? What I guess it depends on the type of young man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if it was to, it was for somebody that didn't have a clue, right? But it did, they wasn't trying to go into the, the street game. They wasn't trying to do that. They just want to know what the next step is and want to figure it out. First off, they got to decide whether they, uh, what they want to, and in the, in the interim, in the beginning, what they want to do. Because a lot of people, we know this, go to college, get degrees and stuff that they don't work. They get out there, they do one job, or they get a degree in something, work something else, find out they got more of a passion over here. Those things change, right? Your levels are going to change. You're, you're going to grow. You're going to develop. Those things are going to change. But in the beginning phase, find mm-hmm. out what you enjoy, right? what you like. At the stage you're at now, what do you like? What would you like to do more of? And then find different ways that you can do more of that. Uh, I told my son that uh, he wanted to do music. So I said, hey, your mother's 100% disabled from the Army. Why don't you... Uh, why don't you take that time? So you can get schooling. They'll pay you a stipend to go to school. You can eventually go to Howard University, get to get on their audio video program. Mm. Uh, you can do your own music because you'll have access to studio time for because you're part of the the, the, uh, the, the the collegiate program. You can get access to studio time. You can learn to do your own videos. You can do production. And you'll have my son, is uh, he has what he has the same thing I had where he's uh, able to really resonate to people well. And so you'll be able to build relationships along the way that some of those people will want to take you with them because they really, really like you. Because you know, you know, people really like him when they, get to, when they get around him. And so you'll be able to put yourself in that environment and there's going to be some people making some moves out of Howard University. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. And you'll be getting paid to go to school. He didn't want to do that, right? He didn't want to do that. And so to me, you got to find the thing that you enjoy doing figure out the multiple ways of doing it and figure out really how to do it all. He could have done schooling at the same time of putting together uh, uh, his music while at school, putting his music out there on the streaming sites. He could have been uh, doing YouTube if he chose to do YouTube. He could have been uh, doing podcasts, all of these things at the same time. Mm -hmm. So find out the things you enjoy doing, find the multiple ways you can do that. And figure out a way that you can maximize your time to do it, and 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 and, and get to the point where you want to get to. But it takes to making those first steps and figuring those pieces out. Whatever it, it, you know, eventually you got to create a plan. But at least start off with figuring out what you enjoy doing, and and then uh, all the ways that you can that you can make it. That as many ways the skin of cat needs to say many paths to get to uh, your destination. Uh, but you got an advantage now with the with today. You know, we only had one way of doing everything, right? You know, we didn't. 
we didn't have the past that they have today. They can take all of these routes at the same time to accomplish the same goal. Mm. That's real there. And I would say for me, um, if I had to give some advice to a young man today, mine would be every day you wake up in the morning, that clock is ticking. That clock is ticking um, for how much time you have left on this earth, right? So go hard at everything you do. Take advantage of the opportunities that come your way. Take advantage of the opportunities that may come your way. That is the most, (laughs) I'm telling you. You have to take advantage of opportunities because they don't opportunities don't often come, you know. So if I had to give advice to anybody, a young man today, just remember that that time is ticking. You your time is ticking on this earth. You need to put God first in everything you do and take advantage of every opportunity that may come your way. Absolutely. Because I think if you look at the success between you and I, that's what we did. We took advantage of the opportunities that came our way because why? I'm not going back to Tappahannock. I'm not going back to um, Augusta, Georgia. We're not going back. We took advantage of those opportunities because why? We wanted to separate ourselves. We wanted to have a better life, a better career for ourselves. So yeah, that would be my advice. I eventually did that. I didn't take advantage of all the opportunities. Right. Um, but there are, you'll find points in your life, you always want to look back that man, if I just did this, or man, I had an opportunity to do this and I didn't do it. Right. Um, but you, you, you take advantage of enough opportunities. As oh, long yeah. as you always try, and in the best points of my life, I always found that I, I was looking ahead at, at kind of what the next steps were, right? When I when I did that, I made better decisions. Might not have been perfect decisions, but at least better decisions, right? Mm-hmm. So when I was able to look ahead a little bit more. Right. So, and that's why I said now that would be my advice to to them is take advantage of every yes. opportunity because you and I, we, you know, we... We learn we from miss. our mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We learn. <laughs> there you go. We learn from our mistakes. <laughs> and hopefully we try to tell... Others, but it depends on you know to get to get them to see it. Sometimes it's difficult. That was it's hard for me to get my son to see it because I can tell him about the mistakes I made. He tells me, "Well, I got to make my own mistakes." You do. Mm. I also believe you should you should fend for yourself in the process. And if that means you got to get, you know, I got to take you to a homeless shelter, uh, which I tried to do one time. People got all so upset at me. I'm like, why are you trying to take your son to a homeless shelter? It was actually a, a day pro a day program that had. You know, you know, they was going to get him certifications for free. Uh, you know, they do have a homeless piece to it, but they're really for young uh, teenagers, young young adults to help get them certification. It was grant funded. He would have got free certifications. I mean, his mind was so crazy. He told them people that he felt like it was going to be. He felt like he was going to have eight months waste of his life going through the program. Mm. I was like, "Are you crazy right now? That's you will get certifications for free in electrical, uh, uh, plumbing." Uh, uh, construction, 
Uh, they had they even had a CDL program they had coming up later on that, that he could have been a part of, and then they were going to get him affordable uh, housing. What he didn't know, because I wanted him to take the first steps, you got that affordable housing, I would have paid half of your rent. Mm. We're talking about $500 a month. I would have I paid 250 I already had you paying uh, 400 at least a month uh, with me. So that you would have paid 250 I would have paid the other 250 for you. I already had you on a plan to pay 400 a month. On, in a, and trying to get in the habit of paying four hundred, I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of some of that stuff. Where you just gotta make the first steps. I didn't want to tell him what you're gonna get on the back end. I want you to make the first steps, and I'm coming to meet you halfway. Right, absolutely. But he didn't want to take the first steps. I wasn't gonna let him know. Hey, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do this because he's not gonna appreciate. It. He'll appreciate it more, in my opinion, if he had took the first steps himself. But it never happened. So I'm still waiting to see what if he's gonna live. You know, really live in the power that he really has inside of him because he has that power he just don't want to do nothing with it. Hmm. so oh, yeah. well, we talked about having sons and stuff like that so i'm gonna transition <laughs> on you know these are, that, was, that was great right there we can go on that type of stuff forever um but this life experiences also had to equate over somewhere into your relationship uh, statuses. I would, uh, you know, we've already had conversations with both of us. Been married before, uh, and then uh, I got married a second time, and now here you are, uh, going, about to get married uh, for that second time. What? Uh, how did these same life experiences, all that stuff you learned? Uh, how did it, you know? Kind of how does how was it in the beginning, relationship wise? I guess, or, or what you were looking for? How you transitioned in your younger days to where you are now, relationship wise? Oh man. I will, <laughs> I will tell you, I was young, dumb, wild, and free mm. <laughs> back in, back in the day. Um, I tell you, I was, I don't know, I was trying to hook up with any woman. I was, mm. you know, young, dumb, you know, just trying, just living, you know, and. Uh, got to a point in life to where, okay, I wanted to really start dating. I really started, you know, wanted to be with someone. Um, made a, a lot of bad choices, I would say. Um, was looking for all the wrong things, you know, when I was uh, looking for uh, somebody to be with, you know. I was more so focused on how how fine this person is as far as uh, you know the deal right yes. <laughs> how how fine this person looks you know wasn't wasn't looking at their career wasn't looking at um any of that as far as their goals in life um you know any of that their spirituality nothing all i was focused on was looks you know, and I'll never forget, um, I was dating uh, a woman that never told me about her kids, you know, um, come to find out after I want to say two months of us dating, I thought she only had like one kid come to find out she had four kids. Oh. She had four kids, uh, beautiful woman. I still gave her the benefit of the doubt um and i will tell you that you know by the way she looked 
that I still wanted to be with her, but I wasn't thinking about that end goal, um, somebody that I can build and be with, you know, forever. So um, I will tell you that this individual wanted to be like a Instagram model, swimsuit model, um, okay. in the limelight all the time. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but for me as a man, um, I didn't like the fact that my girlfriend was half naked all the time, um, taking pictures, wanted to be this model. Um, it was just, it, it didn't feel right to me. So I will tell you that was one mistake that I made, you know, as an individual that going off of looks, um, not really sitting down and really figuring out, like, is this person the one that I can build a life with, um, build a family with, and so forth. So um, that was one big mistake I think I made uh, in the past. <laughs> what about yourself? So, so um, well, before my first wife, uh, you know, other than my high school dating, uh, before her, I really didn't make another girlfriend before her, right? So I was always, when I first joined the Army, I thought this place was, you know, young. You're talking about young, dumb, full of cum. I was that guy too, okay? But I, so I was out there, it was so easy to me pulling women, right? I, I, I just, I never had as many women in my first month in the Army as I had <laughs> at any point in my life combined, right? In high school, <laughs> college, combined, right? The first month in the army was, uh, to me, I lived like, uh, you know, my wife hates me talking about it sometimes because <laughs> she's like, she said he was a whore. I was, I was a whore. Uh, I, I, I had, I mean, I had women, and before the nine eleven stuff, of course, you know, here I am in the army, I, in, in upstate New York, so I was going back and forth from Canada. Uh, it was crazy. I never went out one night in Canada and not had a different, a new woman. Uh, sometimes two or three. I mean, it was crazy how some of the nights went. And, uh, you know, I'm talking about having uh, threesomes. Or just, I had a ball. This was the <laughs> Come craziest on, man. thing. I lived, I lived a life, man. I went crazy as heck out there. And so I did all of this. And so now, here it goes a year or so later in the Army, I said, you know what, I need to, I need to, it's time for me to settle down maybe, right? And I, I didn't really think about that until a little bit later, but uh, I met my first wife. Um, we was, uh, she had just came to the unit. Uh, I was like, okay, she, I say she looked good and whatever, right? So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in, I'm like you, all right. I still, I still believe I, I, I deserve even with my wife now. When I met her, I, of course, the physical is the first thing. And I'm hoping that your mental works with your physical, right? <laughs> but um, uh, so when I met her, and then we, uh, and we were messing around. Uh, she was pretty much the first person. She was the first person in my actual unit in my company, uh, yeah, that I that, that I had to work with and live over and live down the hall from that I actually dated. I never, I didn't like none of the people that dated people within the unit because they always had drama. Uh, so I ended up dating her. We was on the was was uh, we was actually in training. Her first, uh, she got there, and a month later we were heading off to California to do some desert training, and I was just cool with her at first. Right, and, and the way I treated her was the way I treated every other person. And, but to her at the time, she was like, wow, he's a great guy. Like, I was, I was a great guy regardless. 
Also, uh, and she told some <laughs> other people, like, yo, I really want to mess with him. And so uh, I didn't think she really felt me like that. I just was being cool, you know. Uh, so winter time came, and then we was more nestled up, more together throughout the winter time. And I'm talking about I had one of we had one of the situations. We met each other. We started dating somewhere around August, uh, and then by that next April we were getting married. Oh, I was that fast in the army, right? <laughs> After the winter time, man, you spent all that, that, that time. That was what six, up. six months. Yeah, right. <laughs> A lot of people in the army know what I'm talking about, man. They did this thing. You've seen it a lot. I was one of them guys, man. <laughs> Never really got a chance to truly know each other. Um, and so, and then after that, uh, here it is. Uh, we think we got married in 99. Yeah, we got married in 99. And so, uh, we got married in 99, and then here it comes. Uh, I, she had orders for... Um, well, actually, I, got, I had orders for Korea. Uh, she went to Bosnia first. And then when she came back from Bosnia, like a month or so later, I'm going off to Korea type deal. So uh, oh, we were going through that type of, we got married and even six months after that, we we're both split apart. And so we spent maybe a good year and a half now apart. And during that time period, we basically grew and developed as adults, but not together. Um. Uh, uh, you know, there were some other things that went down, uh, but uh, <laughs> so how, I was how saying, was that though, as a man, <sighs> and you're away from your wife for a year and a half? You may see each other what once every six months or so. Not even that. We didn't do we didn't do the leave part. So here it is. That year, I didn't. We didn't. Uh, there was no leave. I didn't take leave to go back home. I did the whole year in Korea. Oh, um, and so before, like I said, before that, and she was, she only came back a month or so before I was going off to Korea. Um, so, uh, with that, the problem that came up was, yes, uh, I was doing my part. I was, uh, <laughs> I was a good dude, man. I was doing my part. I was being, I was being faithful. I had a lot of friends, I had a lot of friends that, uh, were, 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 were saying, hey, man, you're the only guy that's over, only married guy that's over here that's acting right. I was doing my part. Um, it just wasn't on the other end. She really wasn't doing her part. So you trying uh, to tell me you went a whole, let's say, year being a good guy. Being a good guy. Come on. Then, uh, the, the year, that first half, and then the next year being a good guy. Come on, man. <laughs> you know, for the most, I mean, no, I'm not going to, I mean, for the most part, right? Uh, after she, but before, until she did what she did, right? And when she kind of finally told me what she did, and then, um, uh, it, it broke me down at first, right? And and, and that's kind of hard for me now the way I am, but it broke me down at the time a little bit. But it made me, and also I decided, you know what, I've been turning women down left and right. So, uh, you know, I'm about to go stab up a bunch of women, right? And I, I, I did that until we got back, until I came back from Korea. And then when I came back from Korea, we decided she was actually, when I came back from Korea, she was in uh, training in, in Louisiana. So, I didn't see her till another month later. <laughs> so here it is now. We, we're back together. And now we're deciding whether we're going to make this transition. Is from, now we're talking about this 2001. So we've been married for over two years now, but technically only spent six months together. Right? And so over that two-year span. And so then it's like, all right, I need to, well, what are we going to do? So we're talking about trying to work it out now, but 
so we tried to make this big stance to work it out. Uh, in that time period, she got pregnant uh, by my, with, with my son. And then um, even before he was born, we were talking about, man, we're just going to be, we, 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 we need to move on because I didn't, I didn't respect her really anymore. I tried to stay in the marriage just to say I stay, I, I was, you know, just not be a failure just to everybody else, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, I never, re I didn't really respect her anymore past that point, like I should have. Uh, I didn't. I still wanted to make sure I was doing my part, not going out there, uh, going through women. Um, I eventually started doing that part, but I was acting a fool in the beginning. Uh, but. <laughs> When she got pregnant with my son, I said, oh, I'm going to make a, a big stance at it and really try to work at it. Uh, I tried to work on the relationship. And so, but it just, I still wanted to stay in the relationship without, I just still never really, it never really uh, uh, respected her after that like that, right? So um, now fast forward, we had our son and then, you know, 9-11 happened. We're getting ready. You know, he was born in. October 20, uh, uh, 2002, and I'm deploying in 2003. Both of us are deploying in 2003. And so uh, we said after deployment, we wasn't going to be together anymore. And so we got on deployment. I came back from deployment. I said, I'm going to try to sit and work my relationship out. Now, this is how crazy uh, life is. My cousin, uh, my wife now, was actually interning at my cousin's job. <laughs> and uh, he know I like him tall. I like him brown. And so he he said, "Man, this girl's right up your alley." I didn't know. I told you know. I told him that you know I'm gonna come back from this deployment uh, on on our leave, and I'm gonna see if I can if, if uh, my wife wanna wanna work on this relationship. I'm gonna try to give it another shot, man. I wanna I'm gonna try to put my all into it if she wanted to do it. And so I told him that I didn't know he told her the same thing. Mm -hmm. He told my wife now the same exact thing, but he wanted her to meet me. And so he said, "Hey, he's coming now. He tried to work it out with his wife. He he gonna come. He gonna come to visit us if he if he don't work it out with his wife. And so if he does that, you can I, I, you can go on this date with him." She was like, "What the heck, you know?" But you know, I set up this blind date with her, with him and his wife. It was a horrible first date. Uh, but that you know, and then we eventually, I told her when I go back to Iraq, I'm gonna give you a call. So I told my wife. Now, I said, I'm going to give you a call when I give it to Iraq. She was like, all right, yeah, whatever. She didn't believe I was going to call her. I called her when I got back and when I got into Iraq, and then we just had great conversation and really got the, you know, it was, really was open and honest in the conversation after that point. Right. Uh, what I, I, so I learned a lot through all of those processes, man, that realized that it takes a, lot, a high level of communication. Uh, I'm big on communication. I'm big on being honest. Uh, not like, uh, uh, rudely honest with my wife, but I want to be real honest with her. I don't want to, uh, we don't want I don't play no bull crap. I just want to be honest in the relationship with everything with my feelings, and I want her to be honest with her feelings when it's pure like that. Not when we're angry, we're not going to yell and argue. That doesn't get anywhere. Oh, right? I know that's right. So that's what I, I learned through all of that process. But yes, I was, I was at that point where I was, uh, uh, I'm Went through some stuff, had my little whatever trauma and relationship, and then I was able to use that to develop and say, hey, look, we grew a lot apart. It's going to take a lot of communication. And I think we had a lack of communication in my first marriage um, to an extent, but I just didn't know. I really didn't take the time to know each other. And yeah, I, I think that's that was my biggest mistake when uh, I got married. We didn't really take that time 
for my ex-wife to really get to know each other. Um, again, I've went to um, one of my buddy's weddings, saw her, then um, met her back down there for the CIAA tournament down in Charlotte, um, basketball tournament where they have a lot of parties um, um, down there. Um, end up meeting her. Thought she was the most beautifulest woman in the world. Um, didn't really get to know her. So, um, again, I'm up here in Virginia. She lived down there in Atlanta. Um, I used to go down there every other weekend just to see her, you know. Right. Fell in love. Um, end up moving her up here with me to Virginia. Um, um, got married. Um, had a nice, amazing wedding. Uh, and I thought this was it, you know, you know, this is what I've dreamed of a nice family. Um, we had our first baby. I mean, everything was perfect, you know, in my mind, but then, you know, as time went on, um, there were some difficulties, you know, during our marriage, as far as, you know, uh, depression, you know, now we have a kid, we can't run and do things like we used to do. Right. Um, then there was, um, you know, some finance issues, you know, because back then it was no need for her to work because daycare, you know, you pay all the money in daycare. So you might as well, you know, just watch your own kid at the house. But just kind of fast forward things. Um, uh, we, we had our... Uh, our son after that, uh, I want to say a year, a couple months later, and it just really got bad to where we just grew apart from each other. Um, there was a lot of disrespect, uh, dialogue between each other. And, you know, after that, uh, I want to say she started, you know, by us being athletes, you know, I had a stepdaughter as well. A stepdaughter played basketball and I would say, you know, by us being athletes, you know, we feel as though we could train our own kids, you know, we can put them through conditioning and so forth. But no, nah, she wanted this coach um, that she hooked up through a mutual friend, you know, to kind of train our daughter, you know, and I was totally against it because I felt I could do the same, you know, but uh, long story short, you know, I guess she caught feelings for that coach. They started communicating behind my back. I don't know if anything went on, but I saw a lot of text messages and so forth between them um, numerous amount of times. And, you know, it was just real disrespectful to me. And, and we really just grew apart from each other there. And we ended up getting a divorce, you know. But yeah. it, it, it was, you know, it it was bad. You know, the conversations and the arguments we got, you know, got into it with one another. It was just it wasn't healthy for our family. So, you know, we both made the decision to just, you know, split apart. Um, but I will tell you the, the biggest mistake I made was just really not getting to know her as a person. Uh, we kind of rushed into things. We didn't take our time as far as getting married and living with one another. You know, everything was peaches and cream beforehand. So, um, of course, I wanted my family. I, I wanted to keep my family. You know, 
but it didn't work out. So, what did, so taking all of that information and, and tell what what brought you to where you are meeting the, your fiance now? Oh you know, man, meeting meeting the ass and getting to the point of where y'all are now. What 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 did you want to bring in? I guess I guess maybe bring in different. What you what, what was your thought process of moving in? What was your your mindset moving in on that? So when I split up with my wife, I went and got my apartment uh, right in Virginia Beach. I lived right there beside Top Golf. Um, amazing. Okay, okay. Was it New, Newton Road, Newtown Road? Newtown, yeah, right off of Newtown Road in okay. West Duck. It was the perfect apartment. I tell you, it was a man cave. It was bachelor path. It was all in one. And I tell you, man, I met so many women. Um, right. had an awesome time uh, there at the apartment but I got to a point to where I was getting tired of meeting new people I was getting tired of just hanging out with this woman and that woman and so forth to where one day at work I never forget it um, had a co-worker was talking about this website Bumble I didn't know what the hell Bumble was. I didn't know about online dating, none of that stuff, right? So we were at work and he pulled up his Bumble because uh, he was signed into it and he was just looking at different women and swiping right if you like them, left if you don't like them. And then, you know, I was looking at it and I was like, wow, I didn't know it was anything like that existed, you know, because I was totally against online dating. But, um, he told me, he said, man, you should try it just, you know, because he ended up meeting this wonderful girl uh, that he's still with today. And I did. I signed up for Bumble, um, got on there, swiping right, meeting a bunch of women, going out on dates and so forth, you know, just living my life. You know, I was a single man, fresh out of a divorce, um, had my own apartment um, in a nice location. And then all of a sudden I ran the cost. um, my fiance today and I swipe right. Um, and I guess, you know, the woman has to, cause you can't have any conversation with Bumble until that woman swipes right as well. So she swiped right and we both connected and man, it was probably one of the best decisions I made in my entire life. Um, now, swiping right, that had to be physical too, right? Huh? That had to, you, mean, you had to look at some physical when you swipe and they're showing pictures. Oh, yeah, I saw plenty of nice pictures, but, like, different. I tell you what, Yas' uh, profile was totally different. Her profile was totally different. She had, like, funny pictures up there. She didn't have any sexy pictures, any of that. She was making goofy faces and so forth. It was, like, I want to say five or six different pictures up there. Of course, she was pretty. She's a, and, she's a gorgeous woman. She didn't have no gorgeous pictures. Right. She didn't have any like sex appeal pictures. None of that. Like you didn't find that out till later. <laughs> <laughs> till later, she made like funny faces and goofy faces on these pictures. And I tell you, when I swipe right and we contacted each other as far as text messaging through Bumble, uh, we exchanged numbers. We talked on the phone. I never forget it. It was at least. Three to four hours 
one night straight we talked on the phone and it was dope conversation um it was just it felt real wow and then from from there on man it we just connected we went out on dates um and it was the best thing ever best decision i i think i could have made in life somebody that you know loves me for me um it, it's just amazing you know wow. so yep wow man yeah that, that, that's now, now when I saw my, when I saw my wife, I, you know, I was still in that physical thought process. Like, she's fine, you know. I, you know, tall. I like, you know, I like them tall. And, right. you know, I was always, I'm like the Tyra Banks, the the Naomi Campbells. I was trying to find me one of those. So I felt like I should have a woman on my arm that looked way better than me. It's more women than men in this world, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> I felt like I felt like I should have a woman above my skin. And then she was also, I thought my, you know. Well, my first wife, I, I knew that she was in the army. She was she was professional in the army. She was uh, she was she she strived hard. I mean, she moved fast and moved up fast in the army over her peers or you know, over some of her her uh, supervisors like I did. So she had that that type of drive. And I wanted another woman with drive. Yes, uh, but, you know, my, my my wife now when she I met her right at her master's program. I had no degree. She was professional. But uh, we had a horrible, you know, first date though. Yours was yours sounds pretty good. Ours was horrible. Uh, the conversations were great when I got back to Iraq. So we, we got into some real conversations, and I had did so much soul searching in my initial time in Iraq that you know during my downtime in Iraq, I really got in soul searching about what I was looking for in a woman. You know, uh, as far as uh, I wasn't looking to settle down at the time. I was like, man, I'm about to, I'm about to act a fool. I'm single now. I'm going to see if my wife want to work it back out. And then as soon as right. she said she didn't want to work it back out, I said, I'm about to be single. But then I met my, my, my wife now, and we just hit it off. I'm like, God, I'm about to get another relationship, right? Go back to Iraq, <laughs> having all these conversations with her. And then when I came back after the first deployment, uh, it, we just naturally clicked in person. Because sometimes over that phone, you might not click in person. We just right. naturally clicked in person. And... Then from then on out, I went back. I had another deployment. Uh, about not six months later, I'm back. I'm back on deployment again, and the conversation was still there. She was there. For, she was there for my son. She was taking care of my son when uh, when when when, uh, when my mother would get him in in Virginia. Uh, then she would come pick him up. Sometimes he was chilling with her, and, and so uh, a lot of stuff. You know, she was sending me my care packages and. Uh, just a great thing. When I came back then, finally, I said, I'm definitely going to marry this woman. Right. Um, and so I said, this woman, I, I, I got to have in my life. Right. And not only was she beautiful, she was absolutely, absolutely gorgeous, but she was a gorgeous person, right? She was right. a great person. Right. And, and, and now just, uh, you know, someone that, uh, uh, you know, encourages, builds, you know, we, we encourage each other. It's, it's a, it's an amazing feeling. Um, that I, I'm glad I'm, I was at the maturity level to to, to to take full advantage of that. Hey, that's the key. That's the key. You hit it right on the nail, man. You were at that maturity level to where y'all clicked and was able to, you know, build with each other. Because yeah. I think that's a lot of, um, like, as men, like, we may run across great women. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that maturity level is not there. We screw around. We're hanging in the streets. We're hanging with our friends or, you know, we're not serious enough 
Or and what? Jump to the next woman. <laughs> correct. Yep. Yep. Or and we may over. lose out on a a good person. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, and I'm glad that you said that because I was at that point too, to where I was at that maturity level, to where now I'm ready. You know, for this relationship and this woman, I've I've never met a woman that takes charge just, you know, just as much as I do. You know what I mean? I never right. met a woman that will make me better as a person. And that's what I found out in, in, in Yaz, that she makes you better. She takes charge because um, I don't know everything, you know. Right. I don't know everything, so what I don't know, you know, she may she may do know, you know what I mean? So and she just have, and, and have a fun in that same process. Correct, correct. You know, and she had those funny pictures. So yes, and you know that was that was a good thing to me. My, my mother just said, my mother used to say, uh, I mean, my my wife was first dating and stuff. She was like, uh, this girl laughs at all your dumb jokes, right? <laughs> I said, yeah, <laughs> we we're laughing all, you know, we were laughing all the time, right? We don't. We tell people all the time we don't have true arguments. I mean, everybody have disagreements, but we don't have arguments, right? And even my first wife used to when we were splitting stuff up when we were divorcing. Uh, she was telling the people, she said, "Well, he doesn't really argue. I don't. I'm not an arguer. I don't like to argue. I argue at work. <laughs> you know, I argue and stuff like that. I I don't mind being opinionated, right? But right. I I will. I, I don't believe in arguing. I don't believe in yelling at each other. I don't think we get anything accomplished that way. Uh, I'm not gonna have time. If, I, if I'm yelling. At work is because I don't want to get nothing accomplished, right? I want to, you know, it's time to argue. But if I'm at home, I don't think we should be at that point. We should always be trying to accomplish a goal so we can have a disagreement. Uh, we can have a misunderstanding. And, and, and we can have some times that, that, that we don't completely please each other. Right. It's, okay it's okay as long as we talk about it and, and not let it, you know, fester. One of the things with my, with my wife, because she had went through uh, an abusive relationship before mine, before me, uh, she brought that trauma in, and so she didn't want to bring out any issues because she felt like that would start an argument. I said, no, 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 bring it up, right? Bring it up, bring bring up any issues you have. Don't let it build up inside of you, and then you bring it up something that happened uh, six months or uh, six months ago, like in, in, right. in trying to bring up all this. No, bring it up at the moment. Let's let's fix it because if not, I'm gonna keep doing the same dumb thing over and over. That's gonna keep getting on your nerves. Let me let me work on that. You know, let me know. I can work on it, and then as I'm working on it, keep letting me know so that I can make it, so I can improve. Because I'm letting you know, and I'm not letting you know that to, to put you down or something. Hey, it's not pleased with that at the moment. Let's work on it. Let's move forward with it. Let's figure it out. And then, you know, you know, in any relationship, there has to be a level of uh, acceptance too. You're like, hey, yeah, I'm not here to change you, um, but, and I don't want you to try to change me. But if I'm ready to be to move and ready to grow and ready to change, I need you to help build. Right. And that's what my wife did for me, man. I was able, she wasn't trying to change the person I was. She was enjoying the person I was, but helping me to move forward in what I was doing. It wasn't uh, belittling me in the process, wasn't putting me down in the process, but helping to build me. And I never had that really before. Uh, we didn't really have a chance for that uh, before, but now I was at a point where I'm able to accept it a lot more. I was more mature in the process. So when she, when, when we were having conversation, we were up there building each other. Like, hey, I want to do this. We're having conversations about everything we want to do in life. Right. To get to the point where, where, where we're at now, uh, as you know, successful as both of us are now, it's just because 
we've just helped build each other in the process. And then we worked with each other in the process. So if I had to go to school, work, I was working in the beginning before I got on the police job, two part-time jobs and going to school full-time. And I didn't have as much time to spend with her. She kept helping to help me to build, help me to find time for school, uh, didn't pressure me in, in, in any dumb stuff. And she was helping to, you know, to, you know, gave me the opportunity to grow and develop and build outside of the Army at that point. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? I think you hit on one one good point, man, when you talked about, let's talk about it now, you know. Let's talk about it now. Let's figure it out instead of, I remember in my on my last marriage, man, we used to go to bed mad at each other. Um, I used to sleep on the sofa some days. She used to sleep in in the bed. Or it was vice versa, man. One day, I mean, she'll sleep on the sofa. I'll sleep in the bed. It was just so toxic that, you know, we was, our egos were too big to sit up there and, you know, sat down and talk to each other about, you know, our problems or our situations or whatever the case may be. So I think that's really important in a relationship that, hey, let's talk about it now. You know, let's encourage one another. Let's let's see what we can do. Let's see what we can talk about. You know, I, that yeah, was one of my biggest was, mistakes, man. My first I, marriage was like that, too. We got to argue. You know, we got to. Well, she got to argue. I'm an ignoring person. I will ignore you during your argument. Cause I, after your voice get a certain level, I, I don't know what you're saying. He used to piss her off to the unteeth degree. But, uh, you know, I'm not here to argue with you. So she'll be going to bed angry. I'll go to bed like, what's wrong with this girl? And, but I'm not sleeping on anybody's couch. You know, I remember my first wife told me one time, sleep. You need, you need to go to the couch. That ain't happening. This bed big enough. You sleep on your side. I sleep on my side. I'm not going to no couch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she took herself to the couch. And I told my wife now, I said, I do not believe. And going to the couch, I don't believe in sleeping in another room. I don't believe that you got that I gotta go somewhere else. I'm not doing that. If you don't want to lay in the bed with me, that's your problem. Right. right? And I am big on that part. I am I I'm honest with that. I said, but I am here to talk when you're ready to talk. I'm not here for you to yell, but if you want to get some stuff off your chest, I would give you that opportunity. Even if you want to and now I got to the point where I'm able to, hey, if you're ready to yell it out, if that's what you need to get it out, I'm here to listen. I, I'm gonna try to take in everything you said. But I'm not going to yell with you, right? I'm not here to hype you up anymore, throw fuel on the fire. But I want you to, to, to get your fire out. I want you to stamp your fire out. And, and the best way that I can do that is let you get vent if you, when you need to vent. And then hopefully we can get to a point where we can discuss it. But I got now we're at, you know, I got her to the point. You got to get that stuff out quickly. The venting now isn't as boiling over uh, uh, eruption. The venting now is, hey, it's a, it's a nice... It's a nice flame, so we can vent that flame out, and now let's let's see what we can get to to, to a solution. Right, because you're gonna have problems, right? But there's always a solution, or at least a way forward, and then we'll reassess, right? And so I'm I'm in that mindset. Let's get to a way forward. Let's see if that works. We'll reassess. Right, and so that's where we are now, man. It's not a lot of arguments. Uh, don't be. I don't argue, but it's, uh, we're not gonna do a lot of argument. But we are going to, it's time to, to address when you got an issue. Let's discuss it and let's see what the what the next steps are, right? Let's try to figure out a, a way forward. And that has been the best thing that I've learned over my life. Uh, I used to watch my mother and father. They had disagreements. My father wasn't an arguer either. I get that from him. 
uh, he'll sit there and halfway ignore my mother. She couldn't stand it. I'm the same guy. <laughs> I realize how much I picked from him. I picked up from him. Um, I got my mother's mouth on a lot of stuff, but I got my father's temperament when it comes to relationships and that. And he'll let her vent, you know, and, and he'll be like, she'll be all right. <laughs> That's his mindset. But his whole goal is still to please her. And so she'll be like, well, he don't say nothing. Well, he's not going to say it. He's not arguing with you. He's going to let you vent. And then he was, you know, so what you, so what, what do you want to do next? How do you want to handle this? Yeah. You know, how do you want to get there? So I, I picked up that same thing, which is great um, that I picked that up from him. I'm not here to argue with you. We, we, can, we can come to a conclusion, though. We need to come to an understanding. Uh, we need to figure out the next, the next phases, the next steps uh, okay. after that point. That's the way to be, man. That's the way to be. Yeah, and that, that for my for my ex, I've learned a lot. I've matured a lot. I've learned a lot. And, you know, that's why I'm grateful for the relationship that I'm in now. I mean, I think it's by me going through what I've gone through with my ex has taught me so much. And also I'm at that point to where I'm mature now, you know. But it was to a point, I will tell you, I've never had someone belittle me the way, you know, our marriage went. You know, I yes. felt real small as a man, you know, hearing the way my ex-wife talked to me or about me. You know what I mean? Yes. And I've learned to, I, I don't know. I, mean, I was there. It was it was bad, man. I mean, I didn't know. I wanted my family. I wanted my wife. I wanted to be, you know, with my kids and and so forth. But the way I was belittled, it just that take a lot out of a man. I, I was gonna. I was actually gonna accept the belittling. I was gonna accept that in order to have my son in my right. life, right? I was going to accept that part. I was like, you know what? I'm going to accept the belittling. I'm going to accept the, the bad mouthing. I was going to accept all of that at one point. Just to be in my son's life right. a lot more. So it's, it was very difficult raising him afar and trying to be uh, an example of afar because that part, that, that part really was difficult and really didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen because, you know, she married, she ended up marrying somebody else that was in the military. So her traveling around with him and, the distance that I had to spend with my son was very difficult, but I would say that I was going to I was going to make the attempt when I came back from Iraq the first time on R and R leave. I was going to make the attempt to work out the relationship, even if I didn't like being with her, just to be with my son. Right. And I was going to lose myself in order to be with my son. And I, I tell anybody that's not always the way to be, man. It's the, the best course of action if y'all can't be together, the kids to see the unhappiness that y'all going through your best bet is to find happiness and then find a way to work through it uh, but there were times we couldn't find a way to work right she kept my son away from me at times that was awful um, <laughs> but i said my wife now has was encouraging me even through all of that uh you know it was, you know he was in, she was encouraging me through all of that that time and and it was it was there when i was ready to vent about the fact that i couldn't i couldn't talk to my son i couldn't uh, you know, of course I couldn't see him, but then I was in Iraq and couldn't even, she wouldn't even answer my phone calls. Oh man. You know? And so I couldn't talk to my son until he was, unless he was with my mother. That's the only time I was able to, to you know, talk to my son, let him hear my voice, you know? 
uh, to hear his voice on the phone, right? Because I didn't know where my last ride, if I, if I was going to go through my last ride out there on the convoys and stuff. Oh, yeah, man. I think that's going to be another podcast that we probably get into. Yeah. Oh, my it. God. I have we stories for days on that one. That could yes. I could be here another hour talking about that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 we had to put that for another podcast. <laughs> uh, so we talked about some great stuff. Now uh, we'll close out from we're gonna close out from here. But uh, uh, so basically, just to close out this cigar. I'm at the enough the end of this cigar. Uh, I'll tell you that this cigar changed. Most cigars, I will tell you that they change from the beginning to the end. Most of the times they're kind of stronger in the beginning and then in the middle, they kind of uh, mellow out a little bit. Kind of all of those uh, flavors kind of meld together pretty well, but at the end it gets stronger again. Uh, this did exactly the same thing that most of those cigars do. Um, but you'll find out if you start, when you start smoking, man, we can, I might have a, I might have a good, I might, you know, here's another flavored cigar, I might give you, I'm a, you know, the first time you smoke one there, I'm going to give you a good one. We'll, we'll, we'll smoke <laughs> one together, man. I'll give you a good cigar. It's still uh, 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 a medium body cigar, but it'll be uh, it'll be a, a darker flavored stick or something like that, man. Oh, yeah. I'm going to definitely, that's that's my goal there to see if I can start getting on, you know, smoking the cigars and, you know, just getting into it, you know, instead yeah. of just sipping, you know, I'll have a cigar as well, so. Oh yeah, man. It's, uh, I, I sit out in my garage and smoke and have a good time. Um, so yeah, man, we're gonna close out the podcast, man, and just uh, uh, it's been great, man. We've been on here for a minute and I uh, had some great conversation, man. But these are the things that we went through in our development. Hope it helps anybody else that uh, had gone through similar situations and similar uh, uh, stuff, and then maybe help to develop and figure out where you're gonna go next, how you can address the next phases of your life based off of stuff that maybe we encountered uh and hope it helps y'all man absolutely man hey, everything hey, that we talked about tonight was authentic it was organic you know what i mean yeah i like that it's n- we're not sugarcoating anything you know we're, we're speaking uh some life stories and i just really appreciate you for inviting me on man and i think i'm gonna do this some more Oh yeah, we're gonna. Hey, it's more to I've come. I've been doing a lot. I've been doing the first couple by myself. I'm gonna do some more. Uh, I got. I'm, I'm. I never know when I'm gonna start recording and then I'll publish it out later. This one I'll publish out in a couple weeks. Uh, when y'all you know, from from when we're doing this compared to people here, but man, this is great. Oh yeah, most definitely. So, really appreciate it, man. And I know we'll chop it up. And one, uh, everybody just put God first, man, and continue to pray. Put God first. You know, and he'll lead you and guide you in that path, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, brother. All right. Thank you.